When you're number one, you're a moving target. Now let's talk about this. Hey, this is Greg McAfee and welcome to the Greg McAfee Show. Now let's get started. So, you know, there's something about success, there's something about winning that drives some people nuts. They get extremely jealous, they get extremely envy, they're just uncomfortable around winners. Personally, I can't get my head around it. I try, but I can't get my head around it. Personally, when I'm around winners, I'm a sponge. I want to know how to win too. I want to learn from these people. And then I want to implement a few things in my life or my business. And sometimes I want to even do it better than they did. But sometimes when people see someone else achieving their goals and making great strides in, in personal life, in business, in sports, it brings like feelings of inadequacy or jealousy or envy. And unfortunately, not everyone is able to set those feelings aside and genuinely celebrate someone's success. Again, I can't get my head around this. That's why I'm extremely passionate about talking about it today. Well, let's face it. Sometimes people hate winners because of their envy and the dislike for the good fortune of others. It's hard to even find much information online about this. When I was trying to Google, when you're number one, you're a moving target, I kept finding things like the number one reason you have a business you hate or hating your job intensely is not a business plan or running a business you hate. It's not what I was talking about. How to work with someone you hate. What do you do when you hate your boss? So Google couldn't even figure out what I was trying to do and I, and I tried many different formats and I never could get enough information on when you're number one, you're a moving target. We worked our way from the bottom 546 heating and air conditioning companies somewhere around there in the Dayton area when I first came in. I was number 547. And we gradually worked our way to the top to number one, stayed number one for years. And it's we're a moving target. I mean, we've got people shooting arrows at us from the front the side, the back, angled from the tops. I mean, it, it's unreal. Um, so, you know, maybe we can't find stuff like this on Google because our society in general, it's either, it's either um, getting soft or we are jealous of others and we just admit it or I have no idea. I just really, I have no idea. Okay, so competition's always going to be amongst us, and um, we're going to have competition in business. Even though I told you I don't like competition, 
it doesn't really, you know why I don't like competition? Because I don't have any good competition. I don't, I don't have any really good, solid competition. Well, you know, they say that we always have competition, um, but we just, we just personally at McAfee, we just aim to uh, be the best at what we do and take care of people and other companies just kind of get in our way um, because they don't get it. That might sound arrogant to you. It probably does, but I'm just telling the truth. Um, we just take care of people better than we try to do it better than anyone else. And we strive to be the best. That's what we do. And, uh, there's a lot of other companies that feel the same way. And normally they're at the top of the rankings in their industry and they do well. So, um, you know, I've personally, I've never been jealous, uh, or, or I've never any envied anyone in my industry. Uh, if I see someone excelling and doing well, uh, I either try to visit them, get to know them and then learn what can I do, uh, to be that good or how can we do that? Or like I said, and then once we figure it out, then we try to do it better. I mean, we tweak it and make adjustments. And someone gave me uh, a couple years ago, they gave me a really, really good idea. And uh, he, he's a true leader when, when he said, now take this back and uh, tweak it for me and make it better. And I did. And then we implemented it in our business. And it's been extremely successful. One of the most coolest things we've ever done. Um, I, I will not share that here. If uh, if you want some one-on-one -on -one Greg McAfee business coaching, I'll be glad to share it with you one-on-one, -on -one, but I will definitely not share that here. Uh, but it is good stuff that I learned from someone else and took and ran with it and then, again, made it better. One thing for sure is, is that we're, we're powerless over people, over other people, over other companies, and we cannot control what other people do or say, um, only what we do, only what we can do. And our, um, you know, your business practices and services are what you make them. Uh, you make them stand out or, or you be, have a bad reputation. I mean, it's all entirely up to you. Uh, but if you aim for taking care of people, it will definitely separate you from the crowd. It'll definitely separate you from others. Um, let's talk about this real quick. Jealousy. What is jealousy? Well, jealousy stems from a dark place. Uh, and it has no place in life in general, let alone in business. Um, according to Forbes magazine, uh, jealousy is feeling or showing envy towards someone or their achievements and advantages. And if you want to go a little bit deeper with that, envy is the feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's um, performance, possessions, qualities, or luck. So I just don't want anything to do with it. I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't want anything to do with jealousy or envy. There's no room for it. It's definitely, uh, the Bible talks a lot about 
Uh, it's very sinful to be jealous and envy, and I just don't want any part of that. Um, you know, we all have the responsibility to lead by example, and uh, those businesses and uh, or competitors that take joy in the drama uh, and jealousy usually do not make it very long. And and if if we're going to be responsible as a to lead by example, to lead my team by example. Why in the world would I want to display jealousy and enviness? That is not leading by example, folks. And there's a lot of companies out there that do that. And again, we're going to, you know, uh, they don't last long. They're not successful long, uh, but they tend to do that. I don't know if it's lack of creativity, lack of business sense, lack of people sense. I have no idea. But there are companies out there that when I say we're a moving target, we're a moving target upward and people are shooting at us while we're moving. And, uh, you know, they just, they, that's their only offense. It's their only defense is to attack. And, and what do I mean by attack? Well, the, the arrows are, um, you know, telling, making up lies and telling our customers stuff. Now, very few of those stick. I mean, anytime, anytime a company is bashing another company to me and I wanting to buy something from that company, I won't buy from them. I'm, I want to, I want to use the company who takes the high road and only compliments the other companies. Um, you know, and it's, when you're when you're bashing someone and putting down, you're lowering yourself. You're bringing yourself down, and uh, they're already beaten in my book. As soon as we get into a home and they a customer says something because we're in the home service business, heating and air conditioning, like a lot of you are. So if we get into a home, and the customer's already saying what another company is, uh, is saying something bad about us, well, in our book. We've already got this beaten and we're going to walk out of there with a contract sold 20 to $30,000, whatever it might be. Um, so I say, thank you for bashing us other company. <laughs> Whew. Okay. So we can talk about, you know, how to not be jealous on this program um, of others. Um, and you'll, you can Google that and find you know, 5 million websites on how to not be jealous of others. Or we can talk about how to mentally or emotionally deal with jealousy, but that's just not me. Um, or, number three, we could share what most business owners want to know is how to make your competition more jealous than where they are, than what they are today. How's that sound? And then how to become a moving target. So that's what I decided to talk about. If it helps you get to that next level, that's my goal. Okay, so here's three ways, three ways to make your competition more jealous of you. Are you ready? This is fun for me, folks. This is fun. Number one, be disruptive. And Apollo Creed in one of my favorite movies, Rocky, he says, I'll put it up here on the screen, the video, be a thinker, not a stinker. Watch this. Stay in school and use your brain.
Be a doctor, be a lawyer, carry a leather briefcase. Forget about sports as a profession. Sports make you grunt and smell. See, be a thinker, not a stinker. Okay. Okay, also, I've got an entire chapter, chapter eight in my book, Build and Grow Your HVAC Business. I've got a whole chapter on be disruptive. And if you want to make your competitors more jealous of you, be disruptive in your industry. It will drive them nuts. They, they won't know what to do. Um, I talk about in the book of characteristics of disruptees and characteristics of disruptors. And, you know, a disruptee, they fail to appreciate changes in the market, so they just keep doing status quo. Um, they're invested heavily in status quo. Um, they, their old product designs are just too cumbersome to move quickly without starting over. So they just continue to do the same old thing over and over that, that the whole company's been doing forever. They never make any changes. Um, that's why they're so easy to beat. They don't have the needed expertise for desired changes. Why change? Sacred cows and old biases flourish in these companies, affecting even the best of intentions to change. And then the disruptors, man, they're the complete opposite. They recognize possibilities and they refuse to become slaves to the past. And they deal with um, how, to be, how to regain quickness and be faster than anyone else. And they're fully committed to their initiatives. And they... Um, they're, they critically, they are either new companies or they're willing to find a way to recapture their entrepreneurial heritage. So in other words, they don't have to be a new company, but a lot of times the new company does come in with new ideas and, and they, uh, like me, I worked for someone and I learned what not to do instead of what really what to do. I would, I, I, I kept saying things like I will, if I ever have my own company, I will not do this. And, uh, so sure enough, when I started my own company, I did not do those things. So um, the disruption mindset is where entrepreneurs should be spending most of their time. And, um, you know, just so you know, disruptions are a way of life today and many businesses have had their doors closed because of them. Okay. So when you are disruptive, um, they have a very hard time keeping up with you. You're disrupting the standard quo or status quo, rather, of the industry you're in. You know, maybe your industry's been doing a certain thing for a certain way forever, and all of a sudden you come in and you go, we're not going to do that anymore. And you change everything. You change the way you market. You change the way you brand. You know, you change the way you advertise. You change the way you serve people. You change the way you sell change the way you close a sale, change the way you train. We've got, we are blessed here at McAfee in our 30,000 square foot facility, especially, you know, when you start out at a kitchen table and then uh, you build a 20 by 24 garage. Um, and then you, you know, you work your way up the ranks, but 30,000 square foot facility, we've got a full blown technical training area with furnaces, air conditioners, uh, ductless units set up for troubleshooting purposes. And then we've got a full soft skill classroom area 
So we train, we can train people right out of high school. They don't need to go to trade school. They'll become McAfee certified. And if they want to, we're, we're, we partner with a HVAC college and, and they can get their diploma through there while working for us. Um, but they don't have to because we train. We train right out of high school. Some of the best training available. It really is. Okay. So, um, but what happens is when you're disruptive, it's extremely frustrated for other companies in your area who, uh, that's why I don't like to even say the word competitor. They, they try to compete with you. That's all they can do. They try and they become very frustrated and that causes jealousy and that causes envy and that definitely causes trash talking. Okay. Be disruptive. Number one, number two, be innovative. Uh, also a chapter in my book on how to be innovated. Um, I didn't, I didn't mean to, uh, you know, just use my book today, but Hey, it's my stuff. I can use it, right? I can use it all I want because it's a chapter in my book that I felt was very important for a heating and air or any business, small business rather, uh, to learn from be innovative. Steve Jobs said innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. When you're innovative, it will send you to number one relatively fast. You've got to be innovative. You've got to do things differently than everyone else. You've, you've got to do things that others aren't willing and won't do sometimes. They just won't do it. When, when we come out with um, eight to eight at the same great rate, it was five years before anyone even tried to compete with us. While we were taking millions of dollars I was going to try to say how many customers, but I don't know. Millions of dollars from other companies because our customers said, "What?" when we ask, what do you want from a heating and air conditioning company? Our customers said, we want after hour service. We don't want to wait from eight to noon or noon to five and then someone not show up. We want after hour service. So that's what we gave them. Eight to eight, same great rate. And, and if it became between five and eight became the most popular time to get a checkup or to get a service call because they were home, they were off work. They didn't have to take off work. We killed it for five years with nobody touching us. It's called being innovative, innovative, doing things others people aren't willing to do and sometimes won't do. We've had focus groups. And where we bring people in and we question them. You know, uh, in, in my book, it, it talks about different things that we did that were innovative at McAfee. And we call, we have, we foster a culture of innovation here at McAfee. And we do things that are different than most companies. And, and that, and that's what m makes us successful. That's what moved us to number one. And, and that's what causes other companies to be jealous of us. And that's why we're a moving target upward. So be disruptive, be innovative. Lastly, number three, very important, take care of people. And I mean truly take care of people like they're your grandparents, your grandma, your grandpa. 
I, I just treat everyone like that. Take care of people. Internally, externally. Team, customers, suppliers, everybody. Take care of people. Here's some examples of team. How do you take care of your team? Provide a safe and clean workplace. Job security. Nobody can guarantee job security, but we kind of do. Encourage open communication. Support career growth. You've got a place to move up here. Recognize hard work. Reward hard work. Hard work is what got me here. Hard work is what got you there. Reward hard work. Not everybody works hard today. Offer competitive benefits, good pay. Schedule time to talk to people. Come in my office for 10, 15 minutes. Let me learn more about you. Let me share a few things about where we're going here in the company. Get to know people. Schedule time to talk. Have company meetings. Make them beneficial. It's a learning time. Offer to help. And I know this is very situational, so be careful there. But if you can, help someone on your team. Could be financially. Could be another way. Could be a day off. Help someone. And then demonstrate your trust. They, they have to trust you. They really do. Um, so demonstrate your trust. All right. Now how do you take care of customers? Get to the root of the problem and solve it. That's all people want. Get to the root of the problem and solve it. It might not be fixing it. It might be replacing it. Recognize and react to their emotions, okay? Recognize their emotions, then react to them. Communicate. One of my favorite sayings around here is informed people make better decisions. Communicate. And then frequently ask for feedback. Like I said, we bring in focus. We have focus groups and they, we bring them in, ask questions. Um, I want feedback. Tell me what we're doing good. Tell me what we're doing wrong. Deliver on what you promise. In other words, do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Deliver on your promise. Like I said, people don't want 8 to 12 or 12 to 5, and then no one shows up. What a wasted day. All right, those are some things. How you take care of your suppliers? Treat them professionally. Pay them on time. Those two are the key. Don't overuse warranties. But the first two, treat them professionally. Pay them on time. Now, these, these should make others try to be more like you. These things that we do and we say and we teach, it, it should make people flock here to learn how to be more like that. But unfortunately, in today's world, I've got this down, I've got this covered, I don't need his help, or he just thinks he knows it all. And I'll just be jealous and envy of him of what he's got. But I'll listen to his podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so they should make people want to learn more. 
It should make my competitors want to learn more. But thank goodness it doesn't. Because they're they're more concerned about being jealous and figure trying to figure out how to make an arrow stick to us instead of just being better themselves. They, they will not know what to do with you or how to compete against you when you're doing those things of being disruptive and being innovative and taking care of people. They won't know what to do with you. It's a good place to be as, as a competitor in your market. It's a good place to be. Now, let me tell you something that uh, I wanted to share with this because it goes along with this well. Um, I've been studying a lot um, about John D. Rockefeller, uh, the, the father of the oil industry, John D. Rockefeller, the founder of Standard Oil. Um, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk just a little bit about him today because he was one heck of a guy that I've got to know more and more. Uh, first of all, first book I ever read about him was the Titan. Um, the Titan, uh, the life of John D Rockefeller, um, by Ron Cherno. Great book. At the time I read it, it was the thickest book I ever read. I couldn't put it down. What a story. What a man. What a life. Um, I now, just recently, um, paying my kids, uh, my, my two kids and my daughter-in-law, uh, a substantial amount of money to read this book and give me a summary per chapter uh, by a certain date. And um, I would much rather give them money that way by learning about someone, learning about history, uh, than just to hand them money. We don't hand people money. Uh, but that's number one is the Titan. Number two is the John D. Rockefeller, the wealthiest man in America, Michael Simmons. Number three, John D. Rockefeller on making money, advice, and wisdom on building and sharing wealth. Tell you why he wrote or why that book was written. Oh, I'm one of my favorites right here. 38 letters from John D. Sr. to John D. Jr. And my son Travis and I are going through this. We're here at 6:30 a.m. reading a chapter and discussing it. Uh, we started doing that uh, about a week ago. Um, wow. I'll tell you what, wow. Uh, and then you know, the biography is this thick, right? And his autobiography is this thick, <laughs> okay? So um, he talks a little bit about himself, which he was not comfortable doing. Um, what a neat guy, but he was hated by many. Why was he hated so much? Well, it was there was a lot of rumors flying back then. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. Uh, there was a lot of rumors flying. And let's face it, people were flat out jealous and envious. He was a winner. He did nothing like many competitive and um, 
um, successful people today, he was a winner and he didn't do anything without going in full go and trying to win. Um, and to beat all, he was the most wealthiest person in the world. Um, let me tell you something. When he passed away, in today's money, when he passed away at the age of nine years of 98 years old, rather, um, his he was worth, um, and he gave most of the money away before he died, but his estate and the money he gave away was worth $750 billion. Now, I haven't looked and seen what Bill Gates is worth today or um, Elon, Elon Musk is worth today, um, but that's I'm pretty sure that's two to three times more than they are. Okay, um, so this is the amount of wealth this guy is worth. Why was he hated so much? Let me tell you some truths about John D. Rockefeller. He loved his people. He loved his employees. He employed hundreds of thousands of people. He provided jobs for hundreds of thousands of people. He routinely was known to praise his employees. It was not uncommon for him to join them in their work and urge them on, encourage them. Rockefeller believed in giving his employees praise, rest, and comfort. That was not the norm back then, folks. We're talking 1800s. We're talking after the Civil War. It is said that he remembered over 3,000 of his employees' names. That one I can't get my head around. Um, we, don't have, we don't have any close to that, and I have a hard time remembering names. Want <laughs> um, to work on that, all right? He also loved people. Unlike some extreme wealthy people today who are pro-population control by elimination, Rockefeller's interest in population issues eluded many of the closest associates and advisors. It grew out of his humanity and his concern for the well-being of people. Indeed, he took a broad view of population control as a means to address poverty and economic development rather than the as an end in itself. He was very, very giving. And I mean the most philanthropic person to ever live that I know of. In his day, he gave over $540 million, which in today's money, folks, if we can even, even fathom this, in today's money, it is equivalent to between 18 and $19 billion he gave away. He founded the University of Chicago when a Christian college was needed. Think about that. It used to, most colleges used to be Christian colleges. They were based on the Bible. Even Harvard, they were based on the Bible. We've gotten so far away from good things. But he founded the University of Chicago. He put millions of dollars into it to get it going. It became the universe. It was a college. It became a university. 
He put millions of dollars in today's world, billions of dollars into the medical research field and public health. He was concerned for people. He helped destroy a lot of viruses back then that they couldn't figure out. His money helped. He put them into doctors and, and scientists and, and to, help, to help public health. Let me just read you a few things here we would not have today without Rockefeller. Acadia National Park, Blue Ridge Parkway, Crater Lake National Park, George Washington Birthplace, National Monument, Grand Canyon National Park, Grand Teton National Park, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, Lawrence S. Rockefeller Preserve, Lyndon B. Johnson National Historic Park, Marsh Billings Rockefeller National Historic Park, Mesa Verde National Park, National Capital Parks, Redwood, Redwood National Parks and State Parks, Shenandoah National Park, Virgin Islands National Park, Yellowstone National Park. We would not have those if it wasn't for the Rockefeller family wealth and philanthropic work. Amazing to me. It was later in his life in his 80s when he rebounded from being hated so much. After most realized what he had done for America, you know, if your number one goal is to make sure that everyone likes you and appreciates you, then you risk sacrificing your uniqueness and therefore your excellence. I'll tell you something, folks. He really didn't care at a time when he was growing Standard Oil and 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 building the most organized structure in oil that America had ever seen because they didn't have oil before. He developed the organization of the oil industry. But when he was growing this thing and making things happen, and he was so far ahead of his time, and he was so smart and so business savvy, he didn't care what people thought of him. He was a Christian man. But he knew in his heart he was doing the right things. He knew he was okay. So he did not care what other people thought of him. I can relate to that a little bit. Um, but let me tell you why he had to rebound. Because it was important to his son, John D. Jr., that the name not be so tarnished for, his, for future generations. So John D. Um, put a plan together to start rebuilding, um, along with John D. Jr., rebuilding the name. I've learned from some great people, me speaking, uh, that doing the right thing, working extremely hard, and helping a lot of people does not necessarily make you a most popular person like you think it will. Um, it won't make you well-liked. It will make you liked by some and appreciated by some and esteemed by some, but it will not make you the most popular person. And yes, you will be hated too. And honestly, those types of people don't care. They just keep doing good. They keep working hard. They keep helping others and they just do the right thing. So if you decide to take the challenge to make other companies jealous, 
you will succeed if you do it right. You do those things we talked about today. You will succeed, but you might not be the most popular person to some. And you will lose some customers because you're winning too much. After all, why do you deserve to win? Why can't they win once in a while? Why do you need anything? Why do you want to work so hard? Why do you need anything else? You have enough already, don't you? Unfortunately, folks, that's the mentality of a lot of people today and even back in Rockefeller's day. Um, and people don't change. It. I don't know if they get better, but they don't change. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's sad. It, it is really sad. But that's where we live and that's what we do today. And if you want to work hard, take care of people, shake up your industry, be innovative, you'll go far, you'll make things happen. And it's a lot of fun. It's still fun for me. And I've been doing it 33 years and it's still fun every day. As a matter of fact, the goals that we have and the ideas that we have uh, for the next five years are extremely exciting. It gets me out of bed every morning excited and I can't wait to get in here. So we'll end with that. Go get them. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe below. Uh, you can also support this podcast by rating and reviewing on iTunes or your preferred uh, listening platform. Keep listening. I'll do my best to keep challenging you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Greg McAfee Show. No spaces, no underscores. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, God bless. Carry on and have a great day.